Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Dune Wrestling fans, and welcome, welcome back to another edition of John Arisi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast. We've been off the air for a couple of weeks over the Thanksgiving break. Uh, I want to remind everybody, we are the only podcast that brings you back 30 years with vintage audio, featuring some of the biggest names of that time. This show is no exception. The Pro Wrestling Spotlight covered all the news and breaking developments that happened in real time, and now we get to relive those moments right here on this podcast. Today, we're going to review show number 254 of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, which aired on 1240 AM WGBB in West Babylon, New York, on October the 30th, 1994. Uh, the special guests uh, from all those years ago included Two, two Cold Scorpio and uh, none other than Paul E. Dangerously from ECW. Uh and I want to thank everybody uh, who's stayed with us uh, on our Patreon account, uh, patreon.com forward slash John Arezzi. Uh, more content being released uh, this Sunday. So uh, uh, thank you for sticking with us. Uh, five bucks a month gets you in the door. You get the entire archives of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Uh, other levels to uh, take a look at that give you even more exclusive content. Once again, patreon.com forward slash John Arezzi. Uh, it is my pleasure to bring back on our producer, our creative director, my friend, Andy Kaufman aficionado. Let us bring on Marsh. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that, Marsh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's good to be back. It was nice taking a little bit of a break, but it's good. Well, you know? Christmas is around the corner, so we're going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, you can never have too many breaks. No, we'll, go, we'll probably have three <laughs> shows before we take the Christmas break, a couple of weeks off of Christmas. And, you know, as we dwindle down with as many shows as we have left to review, which is really not that many, uh, you know, we're looking at, uh, what, another eight, six or eight of them here. Uh, yeah, so a little break is not going to hurt anyone. We'll get no. through it. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, about eight shows. So, still a couple months left. Yeah, and it gives us a little bit of time in between to kind of spitball what's what's next. You know, we're spitting, we're spitballing all the time on what are we going to do next? What does it look oh. like? And I want to thank everybody who joined our last uh, Zoom uh, Patreon get together. Uh, great conversation. 
uh, we bantered and spitballed some ideas out. And so I want to thank everybody again. We'll do another one before the uh, Christmas break so we can get together with everyone. And we're going to bring uh, Anthony Pyrus back on and Joe Holloway as our uh, Patreon executive producers. And uh, also, this is kind of a milestone uh, with this incarnation of uh, Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast. It is uh, episode number 100. Uh, since I left the Arcadian Vanguard network or was asked to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Amicably. I didn't uh, do that on my own volition, but uh, no. I was I was shown the door. <laughs> You've been thrown out of plenty of places, John. I have been thrown out of places and uh, <laughs> it's just part of the world. I just got thrown out of the, my Gibby show podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just the revolving door of John Arazzi. Uh But that is actually, let's go. Uh, we'll go over that first yeah. and then we'll get into some of the other stuff. Uh, but uh, my dear friend, John Gibbons, who I've known for 42 years, met him when I was a minor league uh, baseball executive for the New York Mets. Uh, and Gibby was the first round draft pick. So we go back many, many years. You know, we, we worked together on the book deal. Uh, we got the podcast going. It's it's still number one in Canada. Like we're, we're number one. I mean, it's been that way for the last few weeks. Uh, we never get past the number five slot. But anyway, um, John Gibbons has been hired by the New York Mets. And I am so happy for him. Uh, it happened, uh, the Mets hired a new manager uh, by the name of Carlos Mendoza, rookie manager, was the Yankees bench coach for uh, four years under Aaron Boone there. Uh, Well-liked guy, uh, the new owner, uh, the new general manager of the Mets, David Stearns, uh, wanted to bring his own guy in. They fired Buck Showalter, and they brought in Carlos Mendoza. And part of the strategy was to bring in an experienced major league manager to sit beside him in the dugout to be his bench coach, his right-hand guy. And they had three names on a short list. Uh, Willie Randolph, who was a former Mets manager, uh, Phil Nevin, who was another former manager and John Gibbons, uh, who was uh, 10 years managing with the Toronto Blue Jays. And also uh, not only started his career with the Mets, uh, played uh, on the 84 team in the major leagues. Uh, he was he got injured. Re- he was supposed to be the starting catcher. Injury bug hit him. They go out and they trade for Gary Carter in the beginning of the 85 season. So there goes Gibby's career as a mm-hmm. as a prominent member of that team. Uh, he did have uh, time with the 1986 World Championship team. He got a World Series ring. He spent a couple of months there, and then eventually. Uh, you know, quit as a player and uh, went back to the Mets uh, in the early 90s to be a roving uh, uh, catching coach, traveling to all their minor league teams. And then he uh, started managing some of their minor league teams and he worked his way up from single A, double A, triple A and spent several years in that organization and then went to the Toronto Blue Jays also as a coach initially got to be first base coach, managed them two different stints, 10 years, uh, and became a beloved figure there in Canada. So uh, Gibby basically uh, got the job, and the Mets told him, you got to stop the podcast because now you're part of the New York Mets organization, and we can't have you talking about other teams. Um, And, of course, that was it. You had to do it. And – 
and believe me, for me, and I told him on our last we, you know, our our last show together uh, was uh, taped um, uh, this past uh, this past Monday, and it's out there on YouTube. Just look for the Gibby Show, and it was a very emotional show for me and for him. Um, and we just talked about our history and and what this means for him. And he couldn't say officially because the Mets had not made the official announcement. It wasn't made officially. Uh, until just uh, yesterday. Uh, so he's part of the team now. And what that does for me uh, with our sponsors being Miller Lite and Tim Hortons, uh, major sponsors, uh, uh, I'm going to continue the podcast uh, for the remainder of December. And that's when our agreements are done with Miller Lite and with Tim mm-hmm. Hortons. And we're simply going to do uh, some best ofs. So I'm pulling clips from you know, the two seasons that we did the show uh and uh, and i'll also be covering the news uh the baseball winter meetings here in nashville so i'll be going to that there'll be trades there'll be free agent signings and we'll bring on some baseball insiders to talk about what's going on with the blue jays and uh and the trades and the all the free agent stuff and then we'll close it out the gibby show will be no more uh, uh the last week of december so uh, it, it's uh, it's kind of bittersweet, as I told John on the show. It was, it's really kind of a dream come true for me, for you, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Uh, he's going to be right there in the mix, and he's back in the majors, and uh, his book is still number one in Canada uh, as well. Uh, so it's uh, it's really a cool thing for him, and uh, he's back with the team that uh, signed him and. He's back with the team that also has always been my my favorite team. So yeah. it'll be an exciting 2024 for for Gibby and for the Mets and and I probably could get some free tickets too. <laughs> well, now more than ever, we got to go to Petco. Yes, that would be very cool. I want to go <laughs> see that park for sure. Yeah. So and yeah, and as a Met, he's going to go up and play the Blue Jays September 9, 10, and 11th in 2024. So I'm definitely going to go up there for that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's kind of cool. So uh, anyway, that's kind of the, that was the breaking stuff that happened over our break. And, um, and uh, it's uh, like I said, it's bittersweet, but I'm happy for Gibby. And uh, I think that he's going to do a fabulous job uh, assisting and be on, be on that bench for every game, helping out Carlos Mendoza. Good luck to my dear friend, John Gibbons. From the outside looking in, it feels like though that that like solidifies that the podcast was a success because it feels like that. I mean, he was writing the book already. We know that, but it feels like that that was so successful that I don't think that hurt him getting where where he got. No, I I think I think uh, I I think because of his experience and the fact that he you know he kind of wanted to toss his name into the ring uh, for the new manager's job, but uh, they were looking for somebody uh, that. that was kind of a, how do I position this? Um, it just wasn't the right slot for him because they had their sights set on Carlos Mendoza and they interviewed a few other guys as well. Uh, but to bring in an experienced manager to sit alongside uh, this rookie manager who was uh, also uh, familiar with New York because he worked as the bench coach for the Yankees for so many years, knows the market, knows the media, and to have a guy like Gibby who speaks his mind, is gritty and a little old school, 
uh, it's going to be a great dynamic between the two and the other new coaches that they brought aboard. Uh, it's going to be an exciting 2024 baseball season for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so other, you know, other than that, what I've been doing is uh, I actually went to uh, Monday Night Raw here in Nashville this yeah. week uh, for the return of CM Punk. Uh, yeah. And uh, I have to tell you, and, and we do chat a little bit about current wrestling. There really is no comparison between WWE and AEW. There really isn't. I mean, the pop that CM Punk got, first of all, mm-hmm. at the pay-per-view, at Survivor Series, when he came out, I have not heard a pop like that. Could be in dec- in uh, 20 years, maybe. Mm. It was bigger than Cody got. The place went nuts. It was Chicago, of course. But here in Nashville, the crowd was so hot. For the entire show, I mean, people were just ramped up for it. And, of course, Randy Orton made his return. And I was looking. I was like, with all the money that Tony Khan has, there's still no comparison. It's like he's a kid with his dad's dough spending crazily, but he can't control his he can't control the creative and he can't control. I mean, he's lost a lot of guys. I mean, it's just kind of like you feel bad in a way, but when you look at the two different promotions, there's no comparison, man. I mean, I feel the same way. Uh, did you feel out of curiosity? Cause you know, watching it and I was going to ask you cause you were there live. Um, there was a lot of instances when when Punk was given that promo where the the audience was really quiet and not really responding. Did you feel like they were just kind of leaning and listening to everything did he say, or was it a mixed crowd? Um, to be honest with you, uh, the promo kind of sounded a little reminiscent of when he came back to AEW, right? Yeah, and I think the anticipation was there, maybe for something bigger right. to happen, and when it wasn't. And there wasn't a run-in or there wasn't an immediate potential storyline. I think the crowd, it got the wind taken out of their their sails a little bit. Because mm-hmm. he came out, it was a pop. You know, yeah. his name was being chanted before the show started. And, and when the graphic went up that he was going to be returning to Raw, the crowd went wild. And But it was kind of anticlimactic in that last yeah. segment when he did finally come out. And there wasn't anything to really juice the crowd up again. Yeah. Other than he's this, he's, you know, he's here to uh, make money, not friends. I mean, so there was just a lot of that. We'll have to see where it goes. Yeah. I I think now that he's there, uh, we'll see. But I mean, it was a coup that uh, a lot of people didn't expect. There were rumors for weeks, but no one ever thought he's not going back there. They're not going to want him back. And lo and behold, look the, the smart business move that was, I believe, Nick Khan's final decision with Triple H supporting it. Mm. Not Vince. Yeah, he's back. Yeah, it is wild. It's it'll be interesting to see how it all plays through. And you know, I, for better or for worse, this is CM Punk's last big chance to go it out is. the way he wants to. 
It is. It's his very last chance. And um, bring back AJ. That's all I can say. Oh, yeah. She's so great. And I love her song. I want to yeah. hear that, that song again. And her, skip it? It, and her skip into the ring. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the little Daisy Dukes. Yeah, let's let's get AJ Lee versus Bailey. Yes. Or, you know, it. Becky Lynch. I mean, there's some good storylines there. Oh, yeah. There's stuff to be had for sure. Um, but yeah, you were there. I thought that was really cool. I thought that was a, uh, you had a fun time. I had a really fun time. My, uh, my attorney, um, who's, uh, kind of a big shot, a music business lawyer, uh, dear friend I, I actually spent Thanksgiving with his family. I didn't go to New York. Uh, and, uh, he said, listen, you know, cause he, he represents so many people. So he had access to a luxury suite with food and drink and all that. And he goes, uh, you want to come to Monday night raw? And I'm like, Yes, I'd love that. So we went and uh, it was, you know, it was great. It was a lot of fun. The only thing that was a little annoying to him and me both was this, uh, there was a young kid who was there in the suite and all he was screaming like the entire night was hit him with a chair, get a chair, get a chair. Like every few seconds, he just wanted to see someone get hit with a chair. <laughs> and he was so obnoxious. He must have been about eight years old or nine years old. And his mother, you know, was sitting there with him and she wasn't calming him down at all. It got to the point <laughs> towards the middle of the show where the suite next to us that was filled with uh, people from another company. Every time the kid yelled out, hit him with a chair. They repeat what the kid said, like like a group of them. Yeah. <laughs> so so the kid the... thought he was going over, but they were just making fun of him. <laughs> So it was fun. I, I did a lot of people watching. I enjoyed it. You know, Raw is what it is. Um, yeah. uh, but just the, the atmosphere and the electricity of the crowd and even to be there for CM Punk's return, really. Yeah. It's a story. Uh, and Randy Orton, who was it was a very emotional uh, to see him finally come back after the back surgery. And it was uh, it was a fun night. It was a fun night. So we'll so, see where uh, they go with Punk. So you're a journalist, John. Give me the dirt. Were they piping in noise? Did they pipe in the booze for Dom? No. I, I they didn't pipe hear in any all those CM Punk champs. No. All right. Well, you said it. Heard it here first. Because I, I, I got a couple people on social media that asked me that too. Did they pipe in the booze for Dominic? And I was like, I don't unless I'm fucking tone deaf or deaf. It didn't seem that way to me. Right. Did I, it seem I, that way on TV? Did it look no. canned? It doesn't to me, but I think that there's a big contingent of audiences of the audience in general. And like, you know, the hate watch audience, too, that feels like there's just no way anyone can elicit these reactions the way that they do so fully. But I've been in the arena, too. I was actually in a suite the last Smackdown I went to. And there's a difference between when you hear the sound come up from the bottom of the bowl versus coming down from the speakers. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think people are just thinking it's coming out of the speakers because the way it's mic'd, it's all picking up the whole room. But when you're in the room, you hear it come up. You don't hear it come down. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't, I, and I have a fairly good ear, and I know what's being piped through a, a speaker system. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even get a hint of that being there live. Yeah, me neither. But people say it, so I just wanted you to address it. You're up. You're my journalist. Yeah, maybe it's the Crown Royal I was drinking that maybe I, I didn't hear <laughs> properly, but I don't think so. That's awesome. That's cool, though. It was a good time. Did you see Dixie Carter was there? I did see that Dixie Carter was there. 
and me and my attorney both were because he he's known her since she was a publicist here in Nashville in the music biz. Yeah, uh, dear friends with her, and, uh, and and you know she's she's still. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. She really is. She's uh-huh. done some incredible things in the music business, and of course the wrestling stuff. But uh, I've I've always I've always been a fan of Dixie's. Yeah, I don't have a problem with her. I thought it was neat she was there. I thought it also I, looked like the, that yeah. Bruce got her in. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she's well-respected in town here. You know, to the wrestling audiences, maybe it's a different scenario. Uh, because and, and, you know, she was a, a woman with a lot of money, wanted to get into wrestling. And then she was kind of overcome by the uh, clicks of Hogan. And, and you know, that kind of destroyed what they were building there when he came in. Uh, but, uh, Dixie always treated me good. And, and, you know, this is a story in my book when they first started TNA, um, her and Jeff Jarrett, uh, came to meet with, uh, the network, uh, me, you know, cause I was the guy in the Nashville office and they came to pitch the TV show to me. And, and, uh, I, I use the name John Alexander and, um, I didn't tell them I was in. I was John Arezzi in the wrestling business. I I had them sit down, gave me the pitch, and uh, they had Toby Keith at the time also involved, yeah. who was country music superstar, and and I pitched it to uh, the powers that be above me in uh, in Denver, Colorado. Uh, they weren't into it. Uh, they didn't think it was a good programming thing. So you know we couldn't take the show. It would have been nice. But especially, uh, but anyway, I got to know her that way and we developed a friendship and, and that's when, uh, any show that they ran here in Nashville, I take my nephew to, and we'd get backstage and, and then finally I, uh, seen her on an airplane and that's the infamous night that, uh, (laughs) Bubba Ray Dudley choked me on TV, (laughs) but I love Dixie. I was sitting next to her that night. I, I I love Dixie's cool and her husband Sturge and everyone else. Good, good girl. Yeah, yeah, I knew you didn't have any issues with her, and uh, that's why I no. asked. Is you know, I actually thought because you were there with somebody who had the suite, I was wondering if you ended up wandering and seeing or meeting up with anybody at all after that or anything. So, um, it was cool, man. I love going to their live shows. I feel like their life, I feel like their star power is so big right now, you can't miss it. You cannot miss it when they're in town. That is, that's very true. You really can't. No. What and then just the MJF thing before we go to you know talk about 1994. Um, he's injured right now. He's got a he's got a because I haven't followed that too much. And isn't was he backstage with trip? Was there a picture of him and Triple H together recently? Or I think I saw a photoshopped one. I don't know if oh, I it's saw photoshopped, a legit but it one. wasn't real. Okay, so it's like as far as I know, yeah, it's like uh. The evils of the internet and photoshopping <laughs> and AI. So anyway, that's a big decision for MJF uh, after the first of the year. But I have a feeling he's going to stay where he is. But who knows? <laughs> who knows? At this point, so much is possible because you know the one thing that would never happen was CM Punk would never return, and he's yeah. returned. You know, yes. Um, It'll be fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, I'm just scrolling through real quick, and uh, yeah, I do not see um, MJF as uh, backstage. Okay, so that was just kind of a phony. I think you got work to do. It's fake news. (laughs) 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 You got worked. (laughs) 
it won't but, be the yeah. first time. You know, be honest. That's my favorite part about wrestling is getting work. Oh yeah, <laughs> I still love it. I still love it because especially when you think you're so smart and stuff, like there's just yeah. no way. And then something else happens, and you realize you were got. Yeah, that's my favorite feeling when you're yeah. like, oh, they drew me in so hard, I got got. That's mm-hmm. good. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Business. Well, what happened? What happened? Thirty. <laughs> what happened? Twenty nine years ago here. Twenty years ago. Twenty nine. Ric Flair. At his very last match, had oh. retired only to go backstage from then on out, from then forward. Mm. And we know that that stuck forever. No, it wasn't forever. He's still out there creating <laughs> yeah, habit, yeah. right? He's yeah. still, you know, telling girls to watch. <laughs> Where his hotel is. He's going to get in trouble for something else that may or may not air this week on AEW. But yeah, anyway, he was supposed to go, but he didn't. He came he back. Several months later, five months, uh, or whatever it was. And this is 29 years prior to, to Woo Energy Drink, too. So you know, <laughs> we know there's business to come. Oh, uh, let's take a listen to how you open the show, though. Oh, okay. Uh, let's go back to what's the date on this thing? It was April, uh, October 30th, October 1994. Let's yeah. hear how it started. And back for another week right here at Pro Wrestling Spotlight. How you doing, wrestling fans? John Arizzi here for Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And last week, Halloween Havoc. Now history, Ric Flair, the nature boy, officially retired for the time being. And the big angle that took place in the main event, Hulk Hogan against Ric Flair. Brother Brutai was revealed to be the man behind the mask. And he came in with... Avalanche, formerly known as Earthquake in the WWF, and also the evil genius Kevin Sullivan. Now all three of them being called the three faces of evil, and that is the next big challenge for the now sole guy at the top of WCW, Hulk Hogan. Ric Flair now behind the scenes only. So we'll take your calls and uh, we'll ask you what you thought of what you saw last week. But where does WCW go from here? What happens now? What happens to the buy rates? Last week's buy rate, a little bit less than they anticipated. The initial reports saying the buy rate came in at a 1.4. Still very well and the best that WCW's done. But where do we go from here? I tell you where we go, and that is focusing the attention to next Sunday which is, in my opinion, will be the best pay-per-view of the year here in the United States. I'm referring to International Wrestling Council in conjunction with the AAA of Mexico working with WCW to promote When Worlds Collide, the big pay-per-view. From one thing, just that's it, go right to the next. (laughs) Yeah, just move right through. But I mean, in your defense, you weren't going to have Donnie Liable on. You were about to get Colt, Two Cold Scorpio on right away, and you thought you were going to have it back to back with um, with Heyman. Yeah. So you kind of want to run through the the hot stuff to get going, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's certainly looking forward uh, to the pay per view that was going to take place the following week, and mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that uh, all the hype for the Flair Hogan deal. 
And then as more details started to emerge and you realize that, all right, he's not really being pushed out. He's just going to go away for a little bit and come back anyway. Uh, so it was kind of anticlimactic there as well. Yeah. I like that you were talking, really pushing the, the AAA show coming up. Yes. Uh, it was a great show. And uh, yeah, we get the chance to talk about that for the next couple of weeks. Perfect. Uh, Three Faces of Evil sounded awesome. I don't remember them together, but yeah, sounded cool. And then, um, yeah, and then of course, the, what happens now with WCW because now they've that's officially shifting into the Hogan era. It is Brother uh, Brutai, <laughs> who was revealed as the masked man that you guys had said would make no yeah. sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. You do, uh, let's see, you're talking about Too Cold coming on. He's in a feud yep. with Matt Bourne, who you talk about like three times in this, that he is your absolute favorite wrestler. Oh, yes. My favorite. It was short-lived over there. Was part of it how he had won you over his doink and how he transitioned the doink into the Bourne again? Yes. As like a carryover? Yes. The, what, what Paulie was doing with the, the character on ECW, it was a great transition from uh, the evil clown in the WWF and then, you know, leaving there, getting fired, mm -hmm. showing up at ECW, you know, getting destroyed as soon as he walked through the curtain at ECW for the first time. But then the evolution that Paulie really had this long term plan for him, but born, which we'll discuss. I don't know if it's uh, next week or the week after or whatever. He. He kind of blew it and got fired. Damn. That'll be exciting when we when you cover it. But he's even my favorite. Yeah. Dude, you loved him. You even started your interview with Two Cold Scorpio. You're trying to introduce Scorpio, uh -huh. and you spent the first like almost minute talking about how he's currently feuding with Matt Osborne, which is your favorite thing in wrestling right now. What <laughs> Matt Osborne is doing is fantastic. This born again gimmick you have to see, don't miss it. And I was like, is he introducing Bourne? Like, <laughs> yeah. That would have been fun. Yeah. Um, but you get in with Too Cold, and uh, you ask him about working with ECW, WCW. You talked about um, uh, how he got into wrestling to begin with. It was really funny, too. You ask him, were you into uh, sports beforehand? And he said, no, I just played football, basketball, and track in high school. And you're like, yeah. I wasn't, wasn't into sports at all. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you did all of them. What are you talking about? Uh, and he listed off some of his favorite wrestlers growing up as Bobo Brazil, Superfly, Greg Gagne, Jim Brenzel, Thez, and the Funks. Uh, I just thought it was cool, but the clips I pulled here was uh, you asked him specifically about his friendship with Leon White, and I thought this was really cool because um, it's not something I had heard of before. I hadn't really thought of them as, as pals, but mm -hmm. they were close. Yeah. Okay, and... Um... Uh, did it one time you would develop a friendship with uh, with Leon White? Uh, yes, I have. Uh, we was doing a show there in town, and Leon just happened to, to be back from Europe, and uh, somebody just happened to get a hold of him to headline a card. And uh, he got in there and just saying that he really enjoyed my style of work, that uh, he think I would have a good opportunity of going to Japan. Uh-huh. And uh, from there, we always been tight, and just kind of took off from there. Well, uh, Leon White, who's uh, known as Vader in, uh, throughout the world and is certainly one of the uh, – the best out there today internationally. 
I'm sure that uh, for someone like that to uh, to take you under his wing and to help you out a little bit, uh, uh, you certainly you certainly must be appreciative for him for the help that he's given you. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is and stuff. I mean, because I've often heard, you know, in up and coming years and stuff about so much stuff about Leon, you know. But the only thing I can say about him is, you know, is he's always took care of me from day one, you know, and I really appreciate him for that. When did you first go to Japan? When was your first tour there? Uh, my first tour uh, to Japan was like in uh, 1990, 91. And it was uh, three weeks in the junior tournament, and we was down in uh, Okinawa, Japan. And your first national exposure, I guess, came uh, when uh, you had a working relationship with WCW. Exactly. Was Leon instrumental in getting you at, in WCW also? Uh, yes, he was and stuff. He, like I said, he was the one who got me over to Japan, as well as the one who got me down there in WCW. When I was down in Mexico working, he had called me up and said that everything was good, that uh, before long I would be down there, and next thing I know, they was calling. Well, I tell you, when I first saw you, um, I was first exposed to uh, uh, your performances in the ring was in WCW. And uh, I always, when I watch WCW or WWF, the two big national promotions, so to speak, I always look for, uh, you know, up-and-coming talent or the talent that uh, I think has real good potential, especially to try to evolve this business into the 90s. And uh, I tell you, when I first saw you in the ring, I was saying, well, this guy right here, is going to be a star. You know, if he's not a star already, he's definitely going to be a star in this business because just some of the things that you did uh, really, really just impressed uh, not only the fans, but uh, as far as people like myself who have been following the business for many years. Uh, your style of wrestling, uh, how did you acquire that particular high-flying style that uh, you're now famous for? Uh, actually, you know, my style of wrestling, you know, people often wonder and stuff, you know, if I take classes or whatever, but my style of wrestling is something that I've always been doing. It was something that came natural to me. Um, my style of wrestling, uh, unfortunately, when I first started doing it, I didn't really know that that was the style that they was doing in Japan and Mexico. And so that the style that I do, it fit right in with everything else that was going on. With uh, my trips going to Japan and Mexico was just enough to sharpen up my skills that I already had. Yeah. Tell me about your time in WCW. Uh, was it an enjoyable time period for you? Um, to me, you know, uh, going out... It was always enjoyable to me because if I go out and the fans were satisfied and the fans got what they was looking for and stuff, then I've always felt like I went out and did my job right and stuff, you know. So, I mean, but as far as the overall business itself, you know, dealing with a lot of the politics and stuff that go on, a lot of that can kind of get you down. Yeah. Well, that, that, uh, that's uh, situations that you hear in WCW, a lot of politics involved in who gets the push in the organization, who gets put on top and uh did you run into a lot of problems that way as far as did you feel that you, you should have been elevated to a higher level in the company? Um, uh, yes, I do. So I thought I should have been at a, at a lot of higher, you know, level than what I was at. I thought I should have been right up there around, you know, a lot of the other top dogs, you know, right in the running for some of the championship belts and stuff like that. Um, but then again, just like you say, you know, it's politics and it's all inside, you know, what you got to remember about the the WCW is, is basically a family organization. So, you know, if you ain't really in the clique or really in the family stuff, then that's really something that you got to worry about. Yeah, it seems to be that all the uh, all the people that have been running the creative end of it, there always has been a clique that they bring the same guys in time and time again. It happened uh, with Dusty Rhodes when he was booking there. Uh, it happens, uh, I guess, with the Ric Flair clique. And now uh, the unofficial booker, so to speak, of WCW has certainly become Hulk Hogan and uh, that to me is very disturbing uh, as a wrestling, uh, fan. I guess I call myself a fan as well as a reporter, as well as someone who's promoted my own shows overseas, uh, because I just see that 
I don't know if you agree with me or not on this, but uh, it seems that WCW now, the direction they're taking is not to uh, develop here in this country. Uh, it's, it's something that's going back into the past rather than the future with uh, the guys like Honky Tonk Man coming in and Hacksaw Jim Duggan and just the whole Hulk Hogan way now of uh, developing uh, the scenarios that are happening there with Earthquake now coming in. It just uh, it just seems to be going backwards, not forwards. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's my personal opinion. I'd like to see what you think about that. Uh, yeah, you know, as far as, far as my opinion, you know, I, I kind of felt the same way and stuff. The thing, you know, that the way that I feel is, that, is there's so much young talent out there nowadays that's up and coming stars and stuff. And if they take the time, you know, that that was invested in them when they first got into business, you know, 20, 25 years ago and was up and coming. You know, I mean, you know, when they first got into the business, they was a couple of nobodies. You know, somebody made them a star. You know, what I'm saying they wasn't really recognized themselves. You know, and I really think, you know, as far as going back, you know, and bringing up a lot of the old names, I mean, it's good because a lot of people know them. But if you're talking about trying to far as keeping up with the 90s and what's going on with the style of wrestling, then you got to move on. Yes. I like that segment. Yeah. He's keen, you know, mm-hmm. and really well spoken. Uh, I just don't see a lot of interviews from him, so I just didn't know what to expect out of it. But he was very direct. Yeah, and I wanted to kind of pry a little bit and get his opinions and really kind of shooting rather than just kind of like talking about an ECW storyline or whatever. And um, uh, I'm really, when I listen back to it now, I'm kind of pleased with the direction of it uh, so far. Yeah, yeah it was fantastic. Um, do you, you mention uh, after this too, you ask about uh, how he got involved with the uh, ECW and uh, and Ron Scholar, and he just kind of mentioned that the timing was kind of just right. And the, mm-hmm. you'd mentioned that he had left WCW in kind of a controversial situation, Do, but you didn't mention what it was. And I don't remember catching it before. Do you remember what it was? I don't recall. Yeah, because I don't remember hearing it on the way up to this, but it was like, a, hey, you left with him controversially because you asked if there's any heat backstage or that he could tell from the WCW side about him being involved in this World's Collide coming up. Yeah. And uh, he said no. So interesting. Couldn't have been that controversial. Well, was it a drug thing? Did he? I don't know. I don't even recall, to be honest. Yeah, yeah nothing like stood out to me. So, um, but yeah, his voice. It was a while where uh, he sounds a lot like Bobby Lashley. Like they have a very similar <laughs> voice, like speech pattern, and and yeah. yeah. But I mean, and they're both awesome. So yeah. Uh, but I generally yeah, I, liked the dude. I mean, when I first saw him in WCW, I just felt that he was, he had that it factor and he was doing moves that really had not been seen before. Some of the high flying stuff that he did and, uh, the somersaults. And I mean, he was just kind of like, he was dynamic. His ring yeah. presentation was dynamic. I know a lot of people have, uh, not been kind to the flash funk gimmick that he had. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of that either. Right. But like I said before, I didn't grow up with the other stuff. I grew up with WWF. Yeah. I thought he was so good, even as Flash Funk. He was another one who kind of superseded the gimmick itself. Like you almost kind of didn't care that he came out dancing disco Mm -hmm. just because you knew this match was about to be awesome. Yeah, the ring work was always top notch. Yeah. And I was too young to know the difference, right? The work rate concept. Mm-hmm. didn't really occur to me 
Right. Does, does this guy work well? Does he have good fundamentals? It didn't mean anything to me, right? But watching a guy dance out to the ring, it's like, oh, that's a cool hat. And then when he wrestles, you're just like, this is exciting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, all I knew was that I loved him no matter what he was wearing, you know? That's a great perspective because he was very dynamic, as I said. Yeah, he had a charisma. It's a shame he didn't get much higher than than he ever did because I think that, I don't know anyone who's said anything bad about him ever. I've never even heard someone say, yeah, not no. for me. No, I, I haven't heard that. You know, even back in the day, he was not somebody that was disliked at all. Mm -hmm. He was kind of cool. He was a cool dude. Yeah. And you got to hang out with him backstage. Was he just the same kind of chill backstage? Yeah. Very cool guy. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, he takes callers, which is great. He does a couple segments with callers. Uh, and we have some of that. Uh, you put over, over and over again about ECW. Uh and then and, in between, nauseum. yeah, so it was, was a shill. <laughs> you loved it, <laughs> uh, yeah. And you're even talking about getting the videotapes, talking about how you're just staying up all night watching them, you yeah, about that over and over again. It was great, I loved man. It. Uh, you could put it over enough. So, you did get a few callers. Eric from Espequa, uh, was asking, uh, too cold what he thought about teaming with, with Mark Bagwell, and he said he was good, he just wanted. Bagwell to apply himself a little bit more. Um, like, but the, but, like, are you annoyed that he's got like a higher spot on the card? And he's like, no, he's like, I'm happy for the guy. Like, it was interesting. Uh, and he asked if he would ever go to WWF and he said, if the money was right, but he's never been in contact with the WWF. So I have here a call that begins. <clears throat> you take another call and then you go back to the original caller. Oh, that's odd. Yes. <laughs> This is your opportunity to speak with one of the highest flyers in wrestling today, one of the greatest uh, wrestlers competing internationally, Too Cold Scorpio. We'll go to Long Beach, Long Island, and speak to David. Hello? Yes, David, you're next. This is David from Long Beach. Oh, can you speak a little louder? Can we speak louder? What? <laughs> can you hear us? Oh, wait us? a minute, can I? Do you, do, oh, okay. Um, oh. You're on the air. You ask just a second, John. <laughs> Why don't we put John. you on? We'll put you on hold, and then we'll get back to you. Okay. Turn your yeah. Turn your radio down, and uh, we will get back to him. Put him on hold, and we'll get take his call. Uh, after we go next to uh, Belmore, Long Island, and speak to Brian. Brian, you're next. Hey, what's up, John? How you doing? Um, how you doing, Too Cold? Um, All right, I'm in the house. How are you? I'm great, man. It's an honor to talk to you. I remember the first time I saw you wrestle at the Clash of Champions against Johnny Cole or whatever he was called then. And then when I first saw your style, that was like the awesomest wrestling. And I've been following, I'm 14 years old, and I've been following wrestling ever since I was born. My dad got me into wrestling. And I've wanted to be a professional wrestler for a long time. And uh, I just wanted to know, what, what does it take to, to develop a, a tremendous skill like that? Like how much dedication have you put into the sport of wrestling? I heard you say how you got into wrestling. What did it take to... A lot, a lot of those area moves in Texas that I do, a lot of it came pretty much naturally when I was younger. So I used to jump on the trampoline, and a lot of that natural ability just kind of stuck with me. But the time that it takes, man, it really takes the dedication, and the time for you to get in the gym and want to work hard and make them long trips. Because like I said, wrestling ain't what it all cut out to be. I mean, when I first got into it, man, it was those twenty and fifteen and thirty dollar nights, and sometimes you didn't get paid. You know, so it's all a matter of sticking it out, you know, and being at the right place at the right time. Yeah. Um, and, John, I just wanted to know one thing. 
Uh, I'm getting this pay-per-view next week, but is there going to be any titles or anything, or is it just going to be straight wrestling? Uh, there will be no titles on the line. Uh, but uh, believe me, you don't need it. For this particular style of wrestling, uh, you're not going to need titles. You, even though no championships are on the line, uh, the match, the grudge match in the main event in the cage, Conan against Pero Aguayo, you have hair versus mask matches. It's going to be the most thrilling wrestling you've ever seen. And, and may I say on that, John, and stuff, what, for most people who don't really understand the Mexican style of matches, when you have a mask versus mask or mask versus hair match in Mexico, those are basically like title-type matches. Yes. It's a disgrace to lose your mask, and it's also a disgrace if you have long hair to get it cut or to lose it in the ring. So down there, it's, it's a real big thing and stuff. So, I mean, usually when you have those type of matches, I mean, you turn out to have real good matches. Alright, and uh, too cold. Like I said, I want to be a pro wrestler, and it would truly be an honor if I'd be able to get the chance to work with you in the future. <laughs> well, man, hopefully someplace on down the line, man, we'll get a chance to meet, and I can give you a little bit more of that advice about, you know, what I did and stuff. Like I say, it ain't like if I could really put a word into each any of the organizations that's going on out there, because I ain't got the kind of pull that some of the other people got. But you hang in there, man, and keep the faith, man, and one day you'll be there. Alright, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks All for right. your call, and good luck All to you. Uh, we're going to go back to David from Long Beach now. And, uh, David, are you ready to go yet? Yes, I'm ready. Now. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I have two questions for two calls. All right. Okay, um, for, first question is, who was your favorite tag team partner, and what do you think of the other high flyers in the business? Oh, like I say, my favorite tag team partner, I said there would have to be two that I really thought that I worked out well with. That would have to be either Ron Simmons and Chris Benoit. Okay. I've seen one of your matches against Chris Benoit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you weren't very well together, okay? I'm thinking. Your Super Bowl three match. Okay. And the and other, other question? Okay, um, what do you think of the other high flyers in the business? Like I said, there's so much great talent out there nowadays that, that, that does a lot of high flying. But the, the thing that I look at is, is I hope that everybody out there that's high flying is doing some of that safe high flying and ain't getting hurt while they're doing it. You know, therefore, myself, you know, the stuff that I do is I try to have a little bit more spunk and a little bit more charisma to what I do. Because everybody can high fly, but can you high fly and make people go woo when you do it? Okay. And so what's your opinion on Jushin Liger and the one, two, three kid? Like I say, uh, Jushin Lager, like I say, I think he's real good. He's always been one of the great wrestlers. And I've enjoyed, you know, going to Japan and whooping up on him, you know, every chance that I get. You know, but I think he's happened to be one of the great wrestlers that's been out there. But also, like all the other wrestlers, I think he's getting up there in age. And, and there's so much talent out there nowadays that's up and coming that Lager would probably be one of the least guys that you would have to worry about nowadays. Um, as far as the one, two, three kid, I like the one, two, three kid. He's got a good heart. He tries hard. I think if he put on a little bit more weight, that he would be good. Um, his style of high flying ain't, ain't, ain't as to the extent as some of the other wrestlers. But I think, you know, as long as he keeps trying and doing what he's doing, he's going to be all right. Okay. Yeah, I've done some amazing moves. I'll tell you that. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks a lot for your call, David. We oh, appreciate it. Call. I just have one more, just one thing, okay. more thing to tell him. Quickly. Okay. Um, I, there's one move that I was really impressed with. Mm-hmm. Where you grabbed the ropes and did a slingshot and your somersault splash. Oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for your call. I appreciate it very much. Uh, 955-1240 is the number to call. Should have brought that kid in to co-host with me. Oh, yeah. That kid was, he was good. Yeah, he had his research done. And he had the questions ready. You know, he had started off hilariously. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was kind of cool. That kid is cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. I got a kick out of it, too. And I like the, oh, oh uh, hold on. I'm going to put you on hold. And you're all like, 
<laughs> or when he tells you, can you guys please talk louder? Us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I popped when I heard yeah. that back. Uh, I actually felt like that kid was lucky you even went back to him. Well, there was something about him that I kind of, uh, he endeared himself to me for whatever reason. I wanted to see where it was going to go. And I knew he wasn't going to be one of those who was going to start throwing vulgarities or obscenities at me. So <laughs> I kept him around. <laughs> That's true. One more thing. No. Uh, you could tell from the get-go he was uh, he was an absolute pro. Yes. I wonder if he has uh, if he had a career in journalism or broadcasting. <laughs> His name was David. We'll have to look it up. David from Long Beach. I wonder mm. if that was the... Uh, if you became Dave Meltzer later on, sort of like the Dread Pirate Roberts, ah, I think you just get passed been. down. Or David Crockett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right after that, though, you asked Scorpio here about uh, the crowds that he's experienced across the globe, specifically. Okay. And too cold, you have been working all over the world, Japan, Mexico, uh, out to California next week. WCW, ECW. What is your opinion of the crowds that uh, you've seen, let's say, watching a WCW event in comparison to uh, the, the crowd that was at the Paramount for AAA IWC and the crowds that work for ECW, that Ooh. go to ECW? Like I say, you know, you're shooting at a lot of things right there. First of all, let's start down with the ECW. Okay. You know, the fans down in the ECW are, are, are like I said, you hear a lot of people talking about the hardcore fans and stuff. Uh, me, myself, I really don't call them hardcore fans. I just call them fans that enjoy wrestling. You know, the old school of wrestling where you get to go out there and you really brawl and you give the people what they want. I think when you go out to ECW and you give the people what they want and you go out and you fight and you don't go out there and fornicate about what you're doing, then the people there really enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? Whether you're a good guy or a bad guy, they just want to see a good match. Yes, indeed. You know, um, the people in Germany, like I say, I've, you know, I work over there quite a bit, and like I say, they understand more or less the psychology of a, a European type style of wrestling. You know, if you go over and you know how to wrestle, and you have the fundamentals, and you know how to put a hold on and put it on right and make a guy pay for it, then the people over there really enjoy your style of wrestling. Then when you throw in a few high flying moves, then they really, you know, tend to pop off of it and stuff. Um, but the overall crowd, I would say we probably get a better turnout in Japan. Um, the Japanese people, for some reason, just love wrestling. The, uh, the physical of it, psychology, um, to me, for people who doesn't really speak English, they seem to really understand the psychology of wrestling and really appreciate it. And I think over there, you really get a good turnout from the people. Um, like I say, WCW, WWF. Um, the, the, the crowds and the fans and stuff, you know, I mean, it's almost like they're programmed in my thing. <laughs> right. I mean, they sound like they, you know, they, they're so used to seeing a routine type thing and stuff that, that when they get in there and they see somebody that can really work or somebody that can really wrestle, then they tend to enjoy the sport a lot more. But a lot of the fans that go to, I would say the WCW and WWF are, are real dedicated wrestling fans and stuff. Cause you gotta be dedicated to go there and sit for hours and watch some of the stuff that they do. Because a lot of times some of the stuff they do just don't make sense. Very enjoyable uh, segment with this dude. Yeah, I liked him a lot here. Yeah, this was a, this was another one where I don't know. I wasn't like excited to hear you do a too cold uh, interview, but I was very interested. I was like, oh, you know, I don't yeah. hear his interviews often, and this is one that really over delivered on my on my expectations. Where I was just like, wow, this guy's great. Yeah, he's one of those. Didn't have it, it doesn't you know didn't have a lot of interviews done with him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't bring him on more often, but you know, it's what it hey, is. Hey, you know, what can you do? 
<laughs> you're you're sometimes <laughs> lucky who you can get. Well, that's true too. You didn't exactly have the your pick all the time. No, I did uh, not. I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Dave from Staten Island calls in and he asks you uh, about ECW. He says he got a tape from ECW a long time ago and it was the most boring thing he'd ever seen. And you told him that it's no comparison now that that had to be from before Heyman was involved. Yeah. Um, well, it was. And, uh, those old origins of ECW, those early, it was nothing really special. Yeah. Who was it a hot before? crowd? It was a smaller crowds, and they were doing TV tapings in bars initially, and yeah. and then even the initial run in the ECW arena before they called it ECW arena. Um, it wasn't robust crowds, and it wasn't these hardcore fans that then began to flock when the change in direction in the promotion started happening. Yeah, and then even the next caller was saying that they were a fan of ECW when Joe Goodhart had it. And uh, they're wondering how it, how it fares now. And you're just like, it's incredible. Watch it. So well, Joe Goodhart never had ECW, though. He's tri-state. Yeah, I know. Well, that's what she said. So yeah, I don't well, know what she was saying. Where is she? Let's call her up and berate her. Yeah, it was Debbie. <laughs> Debbie from Old Bridge. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, it's New Jersey. What can you expect? <laughs> <laughs> I love Jersey, man. Who, who had it before... Who had ECW first when it was Eastern? Well, I know Gilbert Todd. had the book before Paul. It was Todd, Todd and who else was in the creative side there booking? Uh, you know, after this, you know Eddie Gilbert for a while, uh, it yeah. started to get hot. Uh, but I don't know who the original Booker was. Yeah, I wasn't sure either. But let's see. Uh, you get you go back to some callers while you try to get uh, Paul on the line. Uh, they're asking the about. <laughs> Oh, actually, you had a couple calls with with Too Cold before, uh, but, but I had to pull clips from here because there's not much here. Uh, All right. Ken calls in and asks Too Cold if he's going to be there on Saturday, the, the filming. He said yes, and he goes, great, big fan, and that was it. Um, was it Dina Devine who was a promoter back in the day? Where? Like, I don't know. You Someone had, was – it was really hard for me to piece together what the – what the name was, but it sounded like Dina Divine was a promoter. Diane like a Divine. Diane. Yeah. Who's she? She was a longtime wrestling fan out of St. Louis. And she was a big part of the Wrestling Fans International Association. And uh, just a kind of a legend back then. And uh, the fact that she was even promoting was kind of a little eye opening for me uh, 29 years ago. Uh, but yeah, she had uh, some legacy. Yeah. Yeah. You'd mentioned her cause he, uh, too cold said he'd worked for her and you mm -hmm. said that you were dating yourself cause you remembered her yeah. very well. Now I'm really dating myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 29 years later. Yeah. Cause I knew her for, you know, back in the seventies. Yeah. Oh. And I had a funny, uh, part of, uh, when I threw Mike Lano out of my house, mm-hmm when I caught him stealing my mail in 1975 and when he planned on spending the entire summer with me. And I think it lasted seven or eight days before I threw him out. Uh, he actually went to stay by Diane Devines. That's so good. And she really never talked to me after that. So who knows what Mike told her? He just told her the truth. I'm sure. I'm sure he did. He's <laughs> never, he's never been known to embellish anything. <laughs> 
in his yeah. whole history. Yeah, that guy's basically Abe Lincoln over there. <laughs> Abe Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a kid calls in and asks, who cold? What's going on with Bob Backlund? Everyone was really curious about this Bob Backlund heel. Yeah, team. yeah. Well, Backlund. <laughs> People were curious about that dude. I loved that uh, Too Cold kept it kayfabe, and he goes, "Well, he's been one of the greats for a long time, and there's a lot of pressure trying to keep up with the '90s. Like, yeah, or he's just gotten frustrated, and it's coming out. Like, he played kayfabe. Uh, let's see. You're still trying to get Tammy Fitch on the line. <laughs> I wonder if we could get her on the line now. <laughs> a lot of phone access nowadays, I think. My God, um, not to digress or change the yeah. subject drastically, but I have to. What a freaking tragic life! I mean, she just she had it all, and she just blew it. It is one of the saddest stories, and and to be honest, like she's also just a major. With all the tragedy that surrounds her, I don't think that's a thing that gets highlighted as much as how much she was actually just tormented while in the business. You know what I mean? Like she was not treated well by many. Well, she, she had it all. People well either though, but she was always a bitch. Well, yeah, but they weren't. She they was a bitch. Dumped... She was a bitch. She was kind of a bitch before she even got into the business as just this uh, photographer that used to hang out with Candido, and and she was she just thought she was full of herself. She was, you know, extremely charismatic and beautiful, and she had everything that you could possibly want in a in a character and to be associated with the business. But whether she was exploited to the point where, um, you know, there's so many stories, you know, the dalliances, the, uh, you know, sex, sexapades, whatever you want to call it, um, but to see where she is now and the fact that her life was lost and she never learned her lesson. Oh. And when I when I um, saw the fact that she was sentenced the other day yeah. and looking at looking at her and what her life had become. I mean, what a tragic story, but she yeah. brought it on herself in many, many ways. Uh, but who knows what, you know, what happened to her when she entered the WWE. F and she was she was kind of you know how can I put it but you know she was kind of shared by a lot of guys yeah she was like dehumanized by a lot of the guys too in I'm as sure many ways as they was. could I'm sure she and was. so I mean even they talked about the slot bucket that whole thing where they're hey we're gonna have a live yes. TV taping yeah everyone pissed and shit in this yeah so it can go and it's like that's not necessary no matter how much of a bitch someone is to you you know right like it's just it's a crazy tragic story because there's like no light anywhere in her no. story and she was a young girl young girl yeah. just beautiful girl she had that it factor and and it just spiraled and it would continue mm -hmm. and it's still spiraled and now it's come to a very tragic conclusion uh, with her not seeing the light of day outside of prison for many, many years and a yeah, life was lost. Yeah. It's just awful. Like it was, it's been a long time since you heard about Sonny when her name, Tammy would ever show up in anything that didn't before you even clicked on it or read it or anything. You just immediately went, Oh no. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Well, we'll get to hear her voice in a couple of weeks when she's on with Candido, Meltzer, and Ron Scholar. That should be an interesting show. That'll be cool. Uh, do you, I mean, we'll talk more about it when we get there. Working with her the, on the level you did, was she easy to work yeah. with for you? Um, the one show that, you know, I booked her at the convention in 93, had her in the ring. I did a little angle with her and Chris. Uh, yeah. She, you know, she called me a fat pig or whatever, you know, so she was very kind to me. Uh, but, <laughs> but it wasn't, um, it wasn't, uh, I didn't have a difficult time working with her. Okay. So I don't recall any major and, and Chris was just a sweetheart and Chris was yeah. a great, great freaking guy. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, let's see. You read off results from Dominic Valente. Yes. He's letting you know about all the shows happening in town. Uh, he mentions that the WWF was in the Meadowlands and had about like just barely over a thousand people in there. And uh, you were talking about how terrible that is. Oh, it is. Of course. It's not great. It's not great. Uh, you guys try to get Tammy again. Apparently her line is busy, so you know she's there. <laughs> yeah, She's not picking up. Uh, and you're, you're, you're putting over a bus trip coming up on the 19th. Because at this point, you're trying to kill time. Oh, waiting for Paul. <laughs> you're trying to get anyone on the phone, and you're killing time. Yeah. Uh, so the bus trip's going to happen because it has enough people to where it will not be canceled. And that's for sure. But there's still plenty of seats you're trying to fill. So, uh, okay. I skipped this and we're going to come back to it. Your, your producer pops on and says that they cannot conference in two calls at once right now. <laughs> well, that's very nice. And it <laughs> makes for an interesting couple moments. Okay. Uh, I pulled that clip, but it's attached to the, to the clip following this one. Because uh, what we have here, because you go through the lineup for the AAA pay-per-view. Oh, and you said that when you were working with them that people were throwing dirty diapers at Jake? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Dirty diapers. That was one of like, the things. Cups of mustard. I mean, it was like, it was just hor it was horrific. <laughs> they take the kids' shitty diapers and throw it at the heels. <laughs> like... It seems like an interesting thing to bring to the event. <laughs> yeah, they used to feed the kids X lax before they take them to the arena, and, you know, for triple. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, here we go. Good uh, job, good job, <laughs> little <that's>... little Jose. <laughs> <laughs> Jake wasn't happy about it, but it was kind of funny. That's good heat, brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He got paid uh, well enough for that shit being tossed at him. This uh, this clip is the last clip we have before we do all Paul clips because okay. Paul came on and it was fun. All right. Um, you talked about an article you saw in the wrestling chatterbox, mm. which is followed up by a pretty fun phone call. Okay, great. As well, let's hear it. Oh, now I I read the wrestling chatterbox last week. And there was a letter there by um, uh, Big Al Louder, I believe, and called us so-called experts of pro wrestling that we don't give the answers. When we criticize WCW or the WWF, we don't give solutions. Well, the solutions are for the, both of those promotions uh, to go get into the 90s. Wrestling styles have changed. Uh, the most exciting stuff that's happening right now is on the international front and in Philadelphia. It's believable action. It's not cartoonish. It's stuff that you could just have that 
uh, sense of believability a little bit, that suspension of disbelief, if you will. And watching the WCW pay-per-view card last week, although there's some exciting wrestlers in that company, Steve Austin, Brian Pillman, you can go on and on and on, but it's like you're watching a corporate structure, structure and there's really no surprises. Things just, you have no surprises there. And you don't believe what you're watching. That's the bottom line. So that's the deal. And with the WWF, it's the same thing. It's just turned into a cartoon show. Uh, we'll take a phone call, and we'll still try to get Paulie Dangerously. A number to call 955-1240. We'll go to Brooklyn, New York, and speak to Kelly. Kelly, you're next. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing good, Kelly. How are you? Fine. What's going on? Well, I'd like to make a couple, like, couple of comments, and I have to ask you two questions. Go right ahead. The comment is about Halloween Havoc. I am going to miss Ric Flair so bad. You're not the only one. <laughs> I think he's wonderful. He reminds me of my father. Oh, really? Yeah. And what, can you explain that in a little bit more detail? Uh, I don't know. Like, Ric Flair, you know, his age, my dad's age, um, somewhere in between like that, you know. Uh, my dad's, like, outrageous, and my Ric Flair is kind of outrageous, so something like that, you know. Okay. And um, I'm very glad that Bruce the Bar of Beefcake turned on Hulk Hogan. It's about time. Yeah, that was uh, that was something that we had heard rumors about in the last I, week or I so. I knew before when I saw, the, like, the masked guy before. I'm like, ah, that's got to be Brutus. I know. Yeah. I know for a fact. And uh, whatever happened to Heavy Mail, Van Hammer, and Marty Jannetty? Okay, Marty is just, uh, uh, he was on his last tour. He, he wrestled overseas mm-hmm. about a month and a half ago, and he got deported. <laughs> from overseas so he's still have he's still having his problems uh he's not working for the wwf anymore obviously so uh, marty just needs to get himself uh straightened out uh because he's certainly a, a great wrestler but yeah, uh, he's got a lot of uh personal demons that are that are uh, affecting his career you know on that last tour he, he went overseas and he did get deported because uh he creates quite quite a uh, ruckus in the in the dining room of the hotel there and uh they got him, and they deported him right out of the country. Oh, boy. And as far as Van Hammer goes, I really don't know what he's doing right now. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I think Marjane needs a good woman. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Write, think write him a letter. <laughs> Where's the address? Uh, I don't have it. <laughs> Me neither. Well, that's, that's, uh, sorry to hear that, Kelly. Any, anything else? Uh, I guess, oh, new faces in WWF. Okay. New faces coming in? Yeah. Uh, well, King Kong Bundy's there. As far as anyone entering, uh, uh, I know they're going to be bringing back Brian Lee, who was the uh, fake Undertaker. Oh. Uh, uh, they'll be bringing him in, in a different uh, gimmick. Oh, biker costume? That's what I heard, yeah. Oh. And that should be coming up. But I haven't heard of uh, anyone else uh, on the horizon, uh, new talent entering at this point. Yeah, I also think that they... Oh, whatever happened to the women's uh, tile? Uh, with Medusa, uh, Alundra Blaze, and Bull Nakano? Yeah. Well, Medusa is still the title holder. They're going to have a match November 20th. That's the biggest women's show in Japan. All Japan Women Wrestling mm-hmm. is promoting a show there. Yeah. Uh, there should be about 50,000 people there. And, and Nakano and Medusa are scheduled to wrestle that night. And I think that'll be the night that uh, Bull Nakano wins the WWF Women's title. Yeah. In front of her hometown crowd in Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate your call. You too. Well, if I was a radio psychologist, I'd dig deeper into those daddy issues clearly immediately i was like what yeah mm-hmm. and then she wants she thinks marty just needs a good man or a good woman i wonder where she is today i mean what happened <laughs> to her 
And then for a little bit, I couldn't tell if she was flirting with you too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was, yeah. uh, but she was fun. She sounded nice, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she, she, called, she had called before. I, I remember mm-hmm. her voice from uh, previous shows, mm-hmm. but yeah, the, uh, the flair thing and the daddy thing was interesting to listen to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I also thought it was just another tragic story in yeah. pro wrestling when she finally met her heroes, Flair and Janetti, the same time. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it was neat. She just wanted to shoot the shit. Yeah. Maybe Flair was and... referring to her when he had did that little promo that's supposed to air on TV this week. <laughs> yeah. He's looking for all the Kellys from Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you finally get Paulie on. Oh, so what I have here is the beginning, right before that call. I have you trying to figure out what's about to happen with the calls. Yeah, I have a little fast forward to where you believe you're getting Paul on the line, and then uh, and then you get Paul on. Uh, but it's just, it's an interesting way to spend airtime mm. <laughs> that you pay for. <laughs> back second hour of the program and patty was just telling me something about mark that we can't conference do any conference calls anymore go on the microphone it says talk to me here tell me what's going on what's happening we'll find out what the real scoop is any second here mark is our illustrious producer engineer with his assistant patricia in there answering phone calls diligently here at the program. All right, we can't... It tears apart the phone system if we put two lines on at once. What do you mean? Like when a, a guest is on, we can't take calls for a guest? No, we can't take calls for a guest. I figured right. it out how we can do it in here. Okay. Uh, Why don't they get some better equipment in here? Uh, you have to complain to the big boss about that. I'll talk to you about that after, after the right, show. But, what, what, so, but we can take calls we can for take, guests. We can take calls. It's a, I can, we can do it. Okay. All right, I'll but, explain but it Next week we can't do it? Is that what you're saying? No, we can do it. I figured out how to do it. I figured out a way to do it. All right. But I'll explain it to you after, after the okay, show. Okay, but for now, like, if we have a guest coming on, we still could take call. Yes. Cool. Right, We're still working on uh, Tammy. I think our phone's still busy. I don't know. What about... Oh, yeah, try to reach Paulie then. Try to reach Paulie? Yeah. Okay. Because he, uh, he'll be coming on the program and uh, talking about what's going on in ECW. Now, let me give you the complete lineup for next week's pay-per-view. Is he on the air? Do we have someone coming on the air or what? What are you guys doing in there? Are you drinking? Uh, what are you drinking? Booze? Eating pizzas? Patty gave us the wrong number. Oh, is that what happened? That's what happened. Thank I just, you, Patty. I just called Paulie. I just called Paulie on the number you gave me, and he just yelled at me because it was the wrong number. Uh huh. It's all Patty's Thank fault. Thank you. Thank you. See you guys Patty's later. Call, he's calling him right now. Hang on. We appreciate it very much. So, uh, what are you guys doing in there? I mean, it's a it's a party atmosphere in the control room here today. Not only is there uh, champagne being opened up, they're doing shots of what? What are you doing? Shots of Rumplemans or something in there? You guys are going to get in big trouble, I tell you. Uh, we're here each and every week uh, at Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Have been back now, I guess, for two months here at the program, and uh, it's certainly have been uh, enjoyable. We've gotten back into the flow of things over here. Uh, we got lots of exciting things upcoming to talk about, which include, I don't know, I'm just waiting for a call. I just have nothing else to say here today. I've already, I've, uh, I've, I've, I'm done talking for today. Maybe we should just go home, okay? Yeah, I'm drinking water. I got in trouble because I brought coffee in here last week. I can't even bring coffee. Now you have to drink water in here, and that is it. Can you imagine? I can't drink anything else but water. I'm taking a sip right now. Okay, 955-1240 is the number to call here. And uh, 
This is a plot against me here today. We did have an exciting first hour of the program with uh, Paul, uh, Mr. Tucola Scorpio, and that was real good. And then uh, some interesting calls, and uh, not right now, just uh, sitting here waiting as the time ticks by, and I spend five bucks an hour, five bucks a minute to be here at the, at the program, something in that vicinity, a couple bucks a minute, whatever it costs. So, uh, what else is going on in your life? Let's talk psychology today. I'll be Dr. Joy Brown. Tell me your problems here at the program. Okay, is he there? Hello? Hello? What? <laughs> what the hell is going on? Do I have to fire some people in there? Or... Oh, man, do you ever. Or do you, or do you have a problem with your cellular phone? My phones are perfect. I've never had a problem. I haven't even hit anybody with these phones. You haven't you haven't hit anyone with those phones. Yet. They're still pretty fresh and not cracked at all. These are my these are my unbashed telephones. Unbelievable. Or unabashed, whichever the case may be. Wow. Dead air trying to like just talk about anything while they're, mm-hmm. you know, Patty who was in kind of an intern, um she helped out. Um and and the engineer, I mean, minimum wage guy, and could see where his radio career was heading. Nowhere. <laughs> so good. I think. Did you ever listen to Taz's podcast? Oh, a long time ago. I remember he would take water breaks. He would always do the water break, Jones. Yeah. I think he stole that from you, dude. He might have. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Is there you were right there with a uh, with a well, loud? Was kind of, it was dragging on. I you know it's like what it, what you know when you're ready to talk to someone and they're not there and then there's all these problems and then I couldn't have my coffee and I was really irritated about that because uh, they pro- they prohibited anything but water in the studio for whatever reason I don't know. Yeah, it was about five minutes of havoc there. I was getting ready to get up and walk out. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah, I was like, I'm, uh, I'm going to take a sip right now. I'm going to bring that Debbie from Brooklyn back on and uh, have her do the rest of the show and talk about older men. Yeah, that would be perfect. I just got to kick out of it. I was such a big fan of Taz's water break gimmick that he did. A, he had a T-shirt for it, and I got it. When I met Taz, I had him really? sign his water bottle. Did yeah. you? Yeah. Look at it. There it is. If you're he watching on water YouTube, bottle. Is. Yeah, H2O Jones, he wrote, and then yeah. he signed it. That's the original water, too? Yeah, yeah. I cracked the seal to get some air out because it was deforming. But uh, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, but that's the water. Uh, but yeah, when I it was funny too. When I met him, he goes, "Oh, do you have something you want me to sign? You want like just sign this eight by ten? And I was like that, or you know, one of them yeah. water break Jones over there. Yeah, you have Taz's DNA in that bottle over there. It wasn't open at the time. He hadn't had it. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. But I I made the comment. I was like, unless you want to sign one of those water break Jones gimmicks over there, and he started laughing. And he goes, you know what? No one's asked me to do that. I'll do that. And he goes, I haven't done it for anyone else. So if it shows up on eBay, I'm going to know. And I was like, no, no, it's right here. There it is. Yeah. But priceless collector's item. Another thing that you were the forefront of. The live water break. <laughs> what a fucking pioneer I was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you tell I have, Paul. I have to put the explicit warning on the show now because I said that. Yeah, pioneer. No, <laughs> you know what I said, yeah. Marsh. Uh, 
you tell Paul that you've watched all the ECW tapes uh, and you asked how long it takes. This was this was interesting, Paul, because this Paul was a little more subdued. He was still fun and you'll hear some of that. But uh, he was a lot of business on this one. Uh, you told me you stayed up till the middle of the night. He says, I know because you called me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you asked him how long it takes to edit the shows. And he said each each show takes about 24 to 36 hours to do the editing for. I thought that was interesting. Um, I'll tell you, it does not take me 24 hours to edit this show. No. Well, that TV <laughs> show was a little complex. And it was complex. Where, where, and, it was... and where they edited, it was in a house. It wasn't even in a studio. It was like in uh, the guy's house. Yeah. And I think it was tape to tape. I think he would play a tape and record a segment on the yeah. next tape and then put in another tape and go to the... I think it was just swapping tapes. It wasn't like now where you just clip it. It was mad scientist stuff, man. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, you do ask him about the show coming up this weekend. Uh, and he starts to tell you about some of the matches on there. And then you guys go and talk about Cactus and Sabu for a bit. On this coming Friday and Saturday, you got two shows taking place. One will be in Hamburg, Pennsylvania, which you recently debuted there at the Fieldhouse uh, for television. And then Saturday night, uh, you're in ECW Arena in Philadelphia. Uh, what is the uh, what are the cards for this weekend off the top of your head? Well, Friday night in Hamburg is the return match between Sabu and Cactus Jack. Uh, okay, we- let me stop you right there before you continue, okay? The last thing I saw Friday night was Cactus Jack against Sabu from Hamburg, which I have voted, if there's any polls out there, as the wrestling match of the year that I've seen for 1994. Uh, but it was even a little too violent for me. It was too violent for me, and I was at ringside. I mean, it scared me. When he, he took a bottle and he attempted to break it over Cactus's head one, two, three, four, five times, it wouldn't break. But that sickening sound was certainly loud enough that it came out over the TV, and then he finally uh, broke the bottle over Cactus's yeah, head. He, he, I mean, he, he swung at him full force, and he, and he clipped him with the bottom heavy part of the bottle. And, and, and it's a testament to, to the toughness of Cactus Jack that the guy wasn't completely unconscious. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was... Um, it was scary, and this was all done after Sabu broke three ribs. Yeah, that was another thing, which was pretty much was right in the start of the start of the match. And five minutes into the match, Sabu and the Cactus are brawling outside the ring, and Sabu gets on the ropes and uh, somersaults on, trying to somersault onto Cactus Jack, but instead lands on top of the steel railing. And I thought that was it for him. Well, I mean, he, he missed, no doubt. Well, about he it. missed, yeah, he missed, and you know, he crashed, and and that was always it's it, it's always been uh. uh Part of the mystique of Sabu, it's like going to see Evil Knievel or going to see the Indy 500. You know, sooner or later, someone's going to crash. And, uh, and and that's both tragic and it's both very exciting and exhilarating as well. It's the type of thing that Sabu lives on. This guy truly lives on the edge. I mean, I thought I lived on the edge. This guy lives on the edge. Yeah. And uh, he crashed. I mean, no doubt about it. He, he, he sailed right over Cactus Jack and just crashed right on that guardrail. And I just told 911... You know, go get Cactus because we were going to just have to switch the match impromptu to Cactus and 911 because there was no way Sabu was going to be able to continue, but he did. I mean, that's the type of of, of athlete. Uh, I mean, I think it's I think it was imbecilic of him to get up and fight, even though he won the match. It was stupid of him to get up and fight. I mean, he had three broken ribs. The risks that he took were far outweighed any benefit that he could have had by winning the match. How is he doing now? Uh, well, his ribs feel a little better, but he broke two fingers. 
Okay, that took place recently. He broke two fingers what, in Philadelphia at the, at the sports party, guys, Ron? Uh, yeah, there's a place called Pulsations in Philadelphia, which is a real controversial place right now because it was an adult entertainment club, and then they shut it down because the local people, so then they brought in ECW wrestling. It's, I mean, a whole big controversy, so we fit right in there with controversy. Uh-huh. And uh, we ran it on a, on a Saturday night, and, and Sabu laid uh, Curtis Hughes, Mr. Hughes, the roughneck, out on a table. And it was a tag team match, Sabu and 911 against Shane Douglas, the franchise, and the roughneck Mr. Hughes. And he laid uh, Mr. Hughes out on the table, and he flipped over the top rope. And when Mr. Hughes moved, he turned the table completely on its side, and Sabu came right down through the side of the table. And in order to try to protect breaking his leg, he put his hand down in front of him, and he, and he just abs- I mean, he jammed every bone from the top of his finger right down into the bottom, b- bottom third of the finger. Below the, the lower knuckle. Is he going to be able to compete next weekend? Uh, he already had the finger set, and he took the splint off just uh, early yesterday afternoon. And he claims that uh, he's re- he's ready to work. He's claimed he's ready to fight. He claims that he's ready to wrestle. Okay, and Friday night he wrestles Cactus Jack in a rematch. Count anywhere in the state of Pennsylvania, which means <laughs> if, if they go down to Main Street in Hamburg, Pennsylvania. Then there better be a referee right on their tail because the, the falls will count. Any if they fight all the way up the interstate to the ECW arena and and and, and the fall occurs the next night, it occurs. There's no time limit. Uh, the match can go on for weeks. Uh, there's going to be a winner, and this is of course Cactus's uh, pet match. This is his match. This is his match. Falls count anywhere. And um, we don't go in anticipating to win. So if Sabu wins, imagine imagine the upset. Of Sabu defeating Cactus Jack in his own game, it, it's the same as when the Public Enemy defeated the Funk Brothers in a barbed wire match. It, it, it was just—it was absolutely unheard of. And uh, to be honest with you, this is this is Cactus Jack's chance for revenge against Sabu. He's never been able—the one guy Cactus Jack has never gotten a victory over, and he got victories over Sting. Sting got victories over him. He got victories over Vader, but Vader got victories over him. The one man Cactus Jack has never been able to get a victory over has been Sabu. This is Cactus's chance to finally get his Duke against Sabu. I remember that whole deal like it was yesterday with that match from Hamburg with Cactus and Sabu. It was just incredibly violent. And when you're hitting somebody over the head with a bottle and all you hear is clunk and it doesn't break over and over again, it kind of gives you the heebie-jeebies, man. Yeah, this the sinking thud of the glasses. I've seen it a couple of times on the clips and it's like every time I think The Rock and and mankind was bad. You see that, and you just go, oh, yeah. And they just just went balls to the wall every time, and it is incredible. And and Sabu, you know, to this day, is really. Uh, I know it's been done before, you know, after, but this guy used to close his wounds up with crazy glue yeah. in the back. Insane, and then. When he said the falls count anywhere, no time limit. It could right. go on for it weeks. Could, it's like falls count anywhere in the state of Pennsylvania. The match could go on for weeks. I wish they did that, though. I wish that the TV show <laughs> just had snippets every week of now they're over here. You yeah. see a referee just getting more tired. Right. They're trying to switch it out with a different referee. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, they could carry it over for like four weeks that they're still like battling <laughs> yeah. throughout. You know, one week it's, you know, right there in Hershey, Pennsylvania at the amusement park and you know they're on the bridge. Uh, they're at the ECW arena. They're everywhere. They're just traveling. They're at a they're at a rest stop on the interstate. <laughs> would have been awesome. It would have been. But, what could have been? Uh, uh, but yeah, Cactus and Sabu. Sabu breaking ribs and then continuing to go, resetting his fingers and going like yeah. 
you think about the amount that that guy's like sacrificed his body on and stuff and like he's like a legend to a lot of us but he's not going in a hall of fame you know any any you know he he never had that run in a major organization which would have allowed him to make great money yeah yeah it's a bummer and he's still out there he's still out there he showed up and did something over at AEW a couple months ago. I hope he got paid big on that, just for the sake of paying the guy big. You know? Did he wrestle on TV? I thought he had a match. Oh, well. Cause I'm, no, see, I don't watch it anyway, really. I watch it occasionally, and it's usually fast-forwarding until I see MJF or, uh, you know, who else? My, <laughs> I'm not into anyone else there earlier at this point. Oh, I guess he just was involved in a match. He didn't have a full-on match. Oh, okay. But still, still, he hit somebody. Yeah, I will watch the Nature Boy this Friday, though, if they if they air that. <laughs> if they air that. Just to give you a little sense of the old time. I was wondering where he'd been, if I'm honest. They, they made that announcement that he signed, and then he hadn't been on for a couple of weeks. So yeah. I see Tony Khan's eyes pop out of his head like in, in the old cartoons. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, let's see. You uh, talk about how... Oh, you know what? Paul talks about other matches. How you should start doing two-day bus trips to do Yeah, of nights. course. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> and Paul also thinks that uh, Dean Malenko is on the verge of hitting it real big. and He's going to be in a match against Taz. Malenko was the guy that we liked as kids, but I mean, yeah. I think you kind of get why he didn't get much bigger than he got. Because he wasn't much bigger than what he was. <laughs> there wasn't a ton of charisma. You know what I mean? No, like, no, no. He was very uh, stoic and just no-nonsense uh, shooter. Yeah. I mean, I never wanted to fight the guy. No. But, uh, but uh, no. Yeah, he, he wasn't. Was... And his he matches was... were great. But Yeah, he was just, uh, he was very low-key, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of cool to find... You know, down the line, you find out the stuff. But to know that he's been a producer backstage at the companies mm-hmm. for so long, like he was mm-hmm. in WWE for a long time. As soon as he left, AEW picked him up, and he's over there now. Like, yeah, it's just cool. Good person. Did you have any dealings with him? Um, not really. No business done with him, and uh, he never really agreed to do the show. So uh, it was just kind of a you know acknowledgement when you'd see him backstage. That was about it. No friendship, no really detailed or long conversation with him. I say he doesn't come off as talkative. No. <laughs> uh, here's a clip that just made me laugh. But you do also ask him about Dennis Corluzzo's show. <laughs> uh, you ask him about Flair. Okay. Well, there's been you know, I've been in the in the back at ECW when I when I go to all the shows and the com- the camaraderie I guess you call it. The, everyone, there's your dog. Yeah, my Rottweiler's eating 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 my Chihuahua. Oh. A Rottweiler eating a Chihuahua. You both have you have both of those types of dogs in your house? I got I got cats and fish too and birds. Oh, great! So, I like watching animals eat each other. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, and plus you know the fur, it's yeah. good for Christmas fun. Sure. Sure it is. I mean, we're politically incorrect, but we're damn proud of it. Yeah. 
What's the heat that were you guys doing a show head-to-head uh, -to, -head to uh, Carluzzo's NWA tournament? It, it, the heat's on their side because they're going to lose. Uh, there's no heat on our side. It's, it's, it looks like a profitable night for wrestling to us. Yeah. You know, we've done this before. We have run shows uh, two weeks after a major show. We did this in August. Uh, we did it on the 13th of August. We had Hardcore Heaven and came back two weeks later on the 27th. Um, with with the tag team title match between Cactus Jack and Mikey Whipwreck against the Public Enemy, where Cactus and Mikey won the belts, and we had the the World Title Tournament where Shane Douglas threw down the NWA title because he felt it was a has been organization and declared himself the ECW Heavyweight Champion of the World. So it, it, this is not unusual for us to come back two weeks later and, and and do a major blowout show, and because we won't be back in the arena until December seventeenth. And because uh, there were scheduling conflicts and booking a Thanksgiving show, uh, we felt this was like our holiday show. Mm -hmm. And 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 it's uh, it, it it would be stupid for us not to run on that night. It, it just everything points to this being a real successful night for us. So uh, obviously, uh, we'll have more information on that November seventeenth show, uh, November nineteenth show rather, here next Sunday. I would guess after. Yes, you'll have you'll have full full disclosure of the lineup. You'll have the entire lineup for the 19th. Okay, great. we got fans who do want to ask you some questions, Paul, and uh, we're going to take those comments here at the program, 955-1240. Uh, let me ask you a question. What did you think of uh, WCW's Halloween Havoc last week? Uh, from what I saw of it, 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 it was a real glitzy show with, with a lot of nice lighting effects. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, from a wrestling standpoint, uh, I, I feel that they have chosen their direction. Um, and, and, and that's good for them. And it's, and it's great for me because, uh, we offer a totally polar opposite product. And if that's where they feel they need to go, then that's obviously it's, it's, it's uh, conducive to their advertisers and their sponsors. And, and obviously the corporate management at Turner likes what they see. And, and that's good for them because that's, that's the beast that they have to appease. They have to appease the corporate structure. That company is not designed to appease the fans and and we're kind of like in the situation of um, you know the, the NBA now really couldn't care less if they have twenty thousand people in, in Madison Square Garden for the Knicks or they have five thousand people in the Garden for the Knicks. It's their TV rights and their and their sponsorship money and all the banners and the signs and the billboards in the building that pay the bills. Uh, for us, our bills are paid by the fans. Our bills are paid by drawing people to the arena. Our bills are paid that way. We don't have heavy sponsorship. We don't have heavy, the heavy advertising dollar that they have. And we don't have a corporate sponsor to, to answer to. So uh, the beast that we have to appease is the wrestling fan. So we're geared towards that market. They're geared towards more uh, appeasing the sneaker company or, or, or uh or Nintendo. You know, we're not. We're, we're geared towards the wrestling fan. So... Uh, they've chosen their direction. We've chosen ours. I don't agree with their direction, but it doesn't mean it's bad. It, you know, it, it means that the sneaker company and, and Nintendo is going to like them. And hopefully the fans are going to choose us. Well, what kind of corporate sponsors do you possibly see, uh, sponsoring ECW? Um, given the violent nature of the program, you know, it's, it, 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 is it any more violent than football? Is, is it any more violent than, it, it, it's certainly not as violent as the movie Pulp Fiction. It's, it's certainly not as violent as the movie Natural Born Killers. Uh, it's, I mean, for example, take the Cactus Jack Sabu match. Uh, it, it was, uh, it was a, a very physically intense match. Um, there, there is obviously a lot of risk involved in, in our product and, and these guys go the extra, extra mile. Uh, 
Um, to that, I'd say anybody that is, I mean, a corporate sponsor for us would have to be somebody that's willing to take the heat of being uh, not 100% politically correct. And look, how, Howard Stern has, for crying out loud, Bob Grant has sponsors. And we're, we're nowhere near that level of, of xenophobia or, or racism or anything else. You know, we're strictly out there to give, to give people a hard-hitting, uh, real uh, down-to-earth product. You know, we're there to give them excitement and, and, and the true drama of, of competition. And, uh, and that's what we feel we are. We don't feel we're anything else. You know, we're, we're, we're not out there, uh, you know, t- taking a baby and throwing them into a trash disposal. You know, that's, that's violent to me, yes. you know. Uh, we're, not out there, we're not out there chopping people's heads off. These guys are out there beat, beating the living crap out of each other because that's how we view wrestling today. Yeah, I like this Paulie. Yeah, it's it's interesting to have him be like both controversial and towing a company line in a sense. It's not like mm-hmm. a bad thing at all, but he's very much all like, "This is our product, and this is why we do it." And then you're also kind of going like, "Damn, this was um, this was you know that's you know to have a conversation like that and him not hanging up on people or berating people or the callers and stuff and being really." In character, so that's always kind of fun to see. I do have to interrupt uh, mm-hmm. this regularly scheduled broadcast of the Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast to, um, and even though this will probably be old news mm-hmm. uh, by the time this airs, but Ric Flair, the Nature Boy himself, that we have alluded to tonight mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of reasons, uh, uh, just tweeted out something pretty interesting. Go ahead. I'm going to read it to you. It was less than two hours ago. And the Nature Boy says, I am so tired of hearing all this negativity. I don't need to work. And I don't need the money. Can I simply enjoy being by my dear friend Sting's side for the next few months without so much hatred? I know I'm old. But that doesn't mean I can't enjoy life. I've earned the right to do whatever I want and I'm exactly where I want to be. I appreciate everything, Tony Khan, but I'm more than willing to walk away if I am embarrassing you and your company. All I can say is I'm sorry. So this is creating quite a bit of heat with his uh, remark about what he said. He wanted to bring girls over 18 to his room or what, you know, what, what was the line? Uh, I mean, it was he was given his hotel room and saying women eighteen to twenty eight, <laughs> no boyfriends or husbands allowed. I mean, it's definitely not like. I mean, it's piggish, no matter how you cut it. Yeah, but uh, it's interesting because I also don't think it's th- this singular comment. I think that even with his signing, I saw them getting a lot of heat on it too. Of like, why are we signing a guy and. I still think he's got heat from the Dark Side of the Ring episode. Yeah, yeah, that that hasn't gone away totally at all. I mean, that yeah. Dark Side of the Ring story and all that controversy and, um, yeah. It's so it's just another it's another part of the shit show that's going yeah. on in AEW right now. I they mean, kind of a sensitive audience. Jeez, for better or for worse, the mm-hmm. audience in just like the demographic of the audience of AEW you're saying they're sensitive is that what you're saying yeah for better or for worse i'm not saying as an indictment but they're very socially aware and they're very sensitive and there's always a big uproar when they want this person signed or if somebody yeah. does something out of line they're very vocal about that it's a very vocal and sensitively it's aware like a, audience fan base to me 
It's all it's. I mean, it's game. a pro wrestling show. Yes. So you really yes. can't be woke. <laughs> you can be, but you can't be. <laughs> yeah. It you know, in the extremes, but I mean, it's just really, it's kind of like this nonstop soap opera. Yes. What's going on there with a, one guy with his eyes bugging out of his head. I think AEW, except for writing checks every week of millions of dollars. Perpetually, the most compelling content to come out of AEW is the backstage. Yes. And that's not the way to have a successful company. It's, I think it's exactly why you get so many followers online and social media interactions, and you get so few people in the audience because no one cares what's happening on the show. They care about what's happening backstage of the show. I'm glad we're covering shit from 30 years ago, man. Yes. And it was a shit show back then in a lot of respects, obviously, with all everything that went on in the business. But uh, it was really like listening to what we're doing today, Too Cold Scorpio, Paul E., you know, what was happening, getting ready for a, a One Worlds Collide pay-per-view, Lucha Libre stuff. And and and, and all, you, all you hear now is like, it's like, who's, who's going to try to uh, cancel the next person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm sorry. And that was the end of this uh, interruption. Now back to regular programming. Uh, let's see. I really liked Paul talking about licensing deals. Yeah. This was 29 years before the TV licensing deals became the be all of the business. And he was already acknowledging that that's already starting to happen. Yeah. I really felt that I could help them back then. Because yeah. I had met with Todd and met with Paul, and I was like, "Listen, I'll come to work for you guys, and I'll sell sponsorships and and help marketing and and bring these types of deals to the table." But uh, uh, it was kind of like commission only, you know, and and uh, I wasn't in a position to work like that. Yeah. I think I could have done a great job trying to get advertisers for their shows because no one was doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. But there was that him even he's also talking about uh, Howard Stern and yeah, what's about to happen culturally, yep. you know, like he had his finger on the pulse. He for did. Sure. always did. And yeah. still does to uh, you know, he still does. I think so. Yeah. Uh, let's see the last clip we have is two callers and one there's one caller who comes in before who asks uh paul what he thinks of the british bulldog so okay i don't know what your audience is doing a lot of the time John. i don't know that they listen it was schizophrenic too <laughs> like debbie from, from brooklyn debbie from look brooklyn knew exactly what she wanted kelly kelly from brooklyn Woo! and then and, and david the little kid david he knew what he wanted david knew yeah Should've kelly and david could have done them. a show yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is Dan from Long Beach, followed by Robert from Medford. Okay. Dan from Long Beach, you're next. Paul, hello? Yeah, Dan, you're next. Okay, Paul. Um, did anything happen with the deal with ECW and MSG Network? We are right now trying to find a suitable time slot uh, to be on the MSG Network. And uh, the the person that, that we have been discussing with just went on their honeymoon, unfortunately, for nine days. That and click is why we can't the have the conference call because it sounds like we're scheduled for a meeting sometime this week to discuss a suitable time slot. Once we have a time slot picked, 
the windows about four weeks before we go on. So we're trying to, we're, we're hopefully going to be on before Christmas. We were, we were shooting for Thanksgiving and that's just not a realistic, uh, uh, proposition right now. But, uh, we're, we're shooting to be on by Christmas on MSG. We moved all, all the much more closer to New York when we cleared CTN in New Jersey. So now we're on a lot of cable homes in New Jersey as well. And that's obviously, uh, a necessary progression to MSG. Okay. And John? Yes. Um, what's Davy Boy Smith's real name? Davy Boy Smith's real name. David Smith. David Smith, yeah. Oh, okay. All right, Thank thanks you. for your call. Robert from Medford. I mean, I don't know if his middle name is Boy, but. <laughs> I don't think it's Boy. Uh, Robert from Medford, you're next. Hi, Paulie. How's it going? It wasn't going well. I wouldn't be on the radio. This is true. I just wanted to tell you, the difference between ECW and going to a WWF card is, like, unbelievable. Friday night, I went to the Nassau Coliseum, and I could have actually fell asleep there and woke up the next morning, and I would have never known the difference. Well, you should have saved your money and come to our show. Well, I am. next. I'm coming next week, and I'm going to November 19th. I can't wait. Every time you walk out of the ECW arena, it's like you want more. You just want more, and you're never disappointed when you walk out of the building. So you obviously come, have come to our previous shows. All the time. Everyone I come to. I just want to know when are you gonna are you gonna when you do get in the New York area because I'm getting tired of driving to Philadelphia now. <laughs> me too. Trust me. <laughs> I want to know. Do you know what kind of arenas you might like? The, the uh, Manhattan Center, maybe. Uh, it, it all depends on the, t- the Manhattan Center is a real expensive proposition. Uh-huh. Um, it's uh, oh boy, did we find that out? Um, it's uh, we don't know yet. It all, it all depends on the type of response we get. If if we have a certain amount of response where we think, okay, hey, we can pack a, a local high school gym or a local college gymnasium. In, in Long Island or Westchester or Rockland County, okay, that's where we'll go with. Now, are you going to have response is overwhelming? Then, hey, you know, the sky's the limits. Are you going to have to tone it down for the uh, for the MSG no way. network? No way. This, that's what I was hoping would wouldn't happen. You'd have to tone it down. Anybody that takes us on the air knows what our product is, and one of the things that we ask for is is clearance on on the nature of the product. I mean, this this is not your typical show, and 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 this is not for every station that's out there. I mean, it's it's like um it's like NYPD Blue, you know. NYPD Blue is not cleared on the entire network. It's, yeah. You know, and major markets like Dallas, Houston, or Little Rock don't even air the show. Uh, they air something else in that time slot. But but uh, there's 80 percent of the country of the network that does air NYPD Blue, and those that do know that they're going to get some backlash from it. There is not going to be a station that carries our show. It's not going to have somebody who doesn't have the brains to change the freaking channel to something else and then go, hey, uh, okay, I'll just change the channel because I don't like this. No, somebody has to has to complain because they don't want it on their TV. You know, so Are the storyline's going to be, stay pretty much the same. Are you going to have to like reintroduce the characters to the New York people? Uh, anytime we go into a new market, such as when we went on to the Sunshine Network in Florida, uh, we we will customize about the uh, about the the first four four shows, uh, keeping you up to date with what's going on now, but also letting you understand who all the who all the major players are. So we we uh, we tailor make uh, the first four weeks of any new market that we go into. So that's like a crash course for the, the it's the a new crash dealers. course. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot, Paul. And you get hooked pretty quick. Let me tell you that. I hope so. True loyal ECW fan. Oh yeah. I mean, the first thing he did was saying going to a WWE show sucked. Yeah. <laughs> so he's going to go back to ECW. So yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't good back then for sure. Yeah. Well, that was a good yeah. uh, episode. I got a kick out of your producer coming in. See, this is why we can't do the calls. It's chirping. You're like you're talking over the guy. 
Yeah. Like you could have cut in between calls. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, hey, how come some calls had it and some didn't? Yeah. And then that was the other thing, too, where he's all like, we can't do it. And then you're like, you can't. And he goes, well, we can. And you're like, well, I guess I didn't the- have it here, but the, the British Bulldog call. Yeah. It was tough. You guys were trying to connect it. It was tough. It was really low. And then it went out and then it came back. And I was like, oh, I wonder if they're trying to figure out for a second. I thought that they were like miking a phone into it and feeding it to you or something. But I don't think that's what was happening. No. Um, it's just something with yeah. that phone line, uh, whatever the technical problem was 29 years ago. Um, oh, well. Yeah. Nothing we can no. do about it now, is there? Let's fix it. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Josh from Belmore who called in asking, where is Jake the Snake, Hercules, Han- Hercules Hernandez, and Akeem the African Dream? Because he really liked Akeem. Yeah, well, who didn't? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, Paul made a crack at Jake, and then the guy also asked, will Sid Justice return to WWF? And Paul goes, I hope so. <laughs> That'll help me out. No. Oh, it was fun. Um, fun to get back in the swing of things with this episode, Marsh. Yeah, it was a cool one. It was fun. It was uh, it was low key, and I still feel like it was loaded. Yeah, and we got another one next week. is going to be pretty good. We have Cactus Jack. We have classic Paulie back because that's when Sabu breaks his neck against Chris Benoit. Uh, so that will be reviewed next week, and also. Um, Rich Mancuso, the guy who hosted the WFAN show. Do you know much about Rich Mancuso? No, nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was a guy that uh, at three in the morning, every Saturday into Sunday morning on the Jody McDonald show on WFAN uh, sports radio, 50,000 Watts would do a wrestling segment for an hour. And every question was kind of made up. Like uh, every answer was kind of like, uh, well, where's, you know, every week he said Sting was going to the WWF. Every week he, uh, you know, where's this guy? Oh, he's up in Canada. He's, <laughs> so he would just come up with stuff. But he had a, a huge audience. Huh. And people listened to it. Uh, so uh, he makes an appearance on the show. And we saw eye to eye sometimes and sometimes we did not. And he always tried to do get into business with me. Hmm. And so it'll be an entertaining. And I didn't even know he was on the show until I uploaded it. And I heard because he wasn't even on on the written description of the tape on the cassette. All it was saying was Paul E. Cactus Sabu injury. And Rich wasn't even on there. Was uh, he in the studio? It. No, he called in. Okay. Yeah. And here's the other part of it. Just a kind of a, a, a precursor or spoiler. Uh, a lot of calls that called while Rich was on <laughs> were kind of planted like friends of his. That's amazing. Yeah, so it'll be fun to review that next week. That's going to be great because he's called in one other time because yeah. uh, he asked you to plug if he could plug his show and you said go ahead. Yeah. Um, but you, it wasn't like much of a conversation. But uh, Keep it yeah. in the ring was his final line every week. Keep it in the ring. <laughs> Like, what were you supposed to do other than keep it in the ring? Well, the guy's going outside the ring. He's trying to ref it. I'm going to steal that line. Instead keep of doing last ring. call on my show, I'm going to start doing keep it in the ring. There you yeah. go. Make a t-shirt up, too. And once you get one of them spittle bottles that you have to, on the back wall there with Taz yeah. and, and come up with a keep it in the ring spittle. Yeah. 
<laughs> you can tell I'm in a freaking crazy mood tonight. I mean, I am. That's gonna be good. Is this gonna be Cactus's last week. last episode with you? Uh, I believe so. Hmm. I believe so. All right. I knew yeah. we had another one after the last one. I just don't remember if we had two. Yeah, we have um, him, and uh, boy, and then we have you know the Bob Ortons. We cover Art Bar's tragic death, Public Enemy, Missy Hyatt comes back, Mikey Whipperack, Tommy Dreamer, um, and then we have uh, Eddie Guerrero. That'll be cool, Meltzer, and uh, I don't even know who's on the very last show, January twentieth. 1995. Well, let us say PWS 120.95. I don't know who's on it. All I know is the last show. It didn't even have a case. I bet you it was the best of. I don't think so. <laughs> I think I just, I don't know. I'm so curious to listen to it, but I'm not going to. No, wait. You gotta wait. You know, Christmas is coming. I might as well, <laughs> you know, give myself an early Christmas gift and listen to it when, you know, uh, right before Santa comes down that chimney. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. We'll get through it and then we'll uh we'll revamp and readjust and we'll start yeah. over. Yeah. I wish we could do like an AI since AI is so prominent today. I wish we could actually do an AI version of George from Lindenhurst and have conversations with him. It's like a little bot that would respond. Yes. They do it on the uh I, I've heard it now on um I listen to WFAN for the sports content and uh, Evan Roberts and Tiki Barber, who is a famous New York Je uh, giant, you know, potential hall of famer legend. They have an, they have a segment every Thursday they call a uh, bad Tiki. Mm -hmm. And it's an AI voice of Tiki Barber, who's just insults everybody. And it's, it's really wild. So we got to figure out a way. How do we get an AI generated, uh, voice of George from Lindenhurst so we could have conversations with him when we start revamping all of this. Well, the voice isn't that tough. That's the response that really, th there's a really good chance that what they're doing is um, scripting it out. Oh, and they just have the voice read it. Yeah. That's something to we look could, into. We could do that. For sure, I could do that. Yeah. Wouldn't mm -hmm. that be neat? Yeah, like Joey from voice. North Babylon? We just have conversations with Joey from North Babylon. <laughs> Maybe AI has a purpose after all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, because they did that stuff on Twitter with the Gorilla Monsoon thing, right? Yeah. But that was all scripted. Yeah. That's all scripted. And they had the Vince Russo and the Cornette and Bobby Heenan and Monsoon. I, I love that. So oh, if yeah. we could do something like that, that would be an interesting thing to kind of to do on this program as we kind of segue into what our next reincarnation is and if we can incorporate ai into it i mean we're just spitballing here and what if on the, what if on the top of the show you know, like the way you used to do on the top of the ads you know this is paul Heyman. you're listening to us in spotlight yeah what if it was different callers hey this is a joey from north yeah yeah <laughs> i want to have conversations with them though i want to go back in time and like I want to say things to George from Lindenhurst that I never really said. I want to apologize to him for all the times I cut him off and hung up. Yeah. Nice. John Anthony, I have to ask you a question. <laughs> anyway, let's yeah. figure out a way to do that, Marsh. Let's, kind of, let's put that on the to-do list for 2024. There you go. Yeah, we all got right? it. 
That's it. I'm talking my ass off here tonight. It must be all the coffee I drank today. Well, you were allowed to. I made up for it because I couldn't have it, you know, 29 Mm -hmm. years ago. So I drank extra coffee today. Yeah. See, I allow you to drink coffee in the booth now. (laughs) Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. But no crackers. (laughs) No crackers. No crumbs. Yeah. All right, my friend, uh, that wraps up uh, this show and tell everybody out there what you've been up to, what you're doing, where your podcast has landed, all these things that are happening in your life. Yeah, it's been good. I'm over there uh, at youtube.com slash queen of carnage. Obviously, every week with you, youtube.com slash pro wrestling spotlight. But uh, at wrestlingontherocks.com, we've uh, made it over to First Fan Sports Network. And so now we're, we're going through them on our audio platform. We still do live recordings wednesday thursday yeah uh we release it now through audio through fans first and it's really cool fans first is a platform that has not just a few wrestling shows on it but it also has a number of different sports podcasts there from baseball to all other sports i've seen their site uh and uh looks pretty impressive so i wish you the best over there yeah, no, I was really surprised that they were looking for wrestling content, and they uh, they thought we might be a good fit, so we're giving it a go. Yeah, maybe we'll join you there next year. Yeah, maybe so. We'll see. Uh, but I'm liking it. So, yeah, uh, follow me over there. You can find me on threads. I've been doing more threads than, than X threads. nowadays. Marsh Ref. Yeah, yeah, threads is happening. <laughs> yeah. It's just I got fun. almost 700 followers on threads now. Because yeah. every time I post on Instagram, I'm posting on threads, too. Oh, there you go. Very gotta... seamless. Okay, you that's what i have to click link. on then it's a little link it's in your profile on instagram you just click it and you're on threads all right i gotta do that then but yeah yeah all right my friend we'll uh see you again next week and uh that will wrap up this edition the welcome back edition after a few weeks off the air of john arizzi's pro wrestling spotlight join our groups we're on facebook we're on instagram at john arizzi i'm on Twitter and threads at John Arezzi, our YouTube channel. Go there, subscribe to it. YouTube.com forward slash pro wrestling spotlight. My book is still available. If you'd like a copy of that autographed numbered, just send me an email, John at mattmemories.com. I'll be putting more up on eBay shortly as well. And uh, don't forget to check out the sister podcast that I do. It's Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, covering all the shows I covered from the mecca of all arenas 50 years ago. And uh, the next show is going to feature the night Bruno San Martino came back and won that WWWF title against Dan Stasiak, which took place on December the 10th of 1973. Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden is co-hosted by Tim Putre, written and researched by Richie Garcia. I want to thank our producer and creative director, Marsh. I want to thank our Patreon executive producers, Anthony Pyrus and Joe Holloway, and to all the patrons for keeping us on the air because you're helping with the production costs for this show at five bucks a month. Go there. Patreon.com forward slash John Arezzi. Until next week, when we relive more history with you, this is John Arezzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Spotlight.